So in times of despair, like we've seen this past year, a lot of people keep throwing out the word faith, and they want to talk to people about have faith in the government, just trust the government, have faith in doctors, have faith in, in vaccines, have faith in this, have faith in that. And I think they're loosely throwing that word out there without knowing its true understanding. And so today I want to talk to you about what faith is. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity to come into your house to study your word, Lord, to learn about your gifts and what you have for us, Lord. Please give me the words to speak and let them be your words and not mine, Lord, and let everyone's ears be open to your message. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So by definition, the word faith means having complete trust in something or someone. And... To put complete trust in any human entity, I think, would probably be a mistake. I'm not saying don't trust people, but it should be a limited trust. It should be a cautious trust. It shouldn't be complete trust. People are fallible. They make mistakes. Everybody makes mistakes. I do. Every one of y'all have at some point. And we know the government, even physicians, Teachers, lawmakers, they all make mistakes. To give them complete trust, in my opinion, would be a mistake. So the question is, what is faith? God gives us a definition. The writer of Hebrews tells us in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, it's probably the best definition of faith there is. It says, Now faith is the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what is not seen. It's the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what is not seen. And to put your faith in something that people make, and if that man-made entity, whether it's a government or medicine or anything else, fails at any point, it breaks your faith. But to put your faith in God is to put your faith in someone who will not fail. It's the only place where you should have complete trust because God's promises are eternal. And we know that by reading Scripture and by what He's shown us. You notice that the worldly definition of faith has nothing to do with God, and that's because it can be put in a lot of things. But the problem is, is that faith has no real promise. Faith is based on promises. It's based on expectations because it's a reality of things hoped for, not a reality of things you already have. Faith is the evidence of things not seen, not the things that you do see. Faith comes from the things you have seen, but it's placed in the things you haven't. And so when you put your faith in things that are created by man, you're doing it based on what you have seen. Well, the government's given us these subsidies and given us all these things, so I have faith they're going to do what's right. Well, not necessarily. I've never seen a politician who wasn't in it for themselves. And they'll do it at your cost. 
I've never met a doctor who wasn't in it for the money. They say that they're there to help people get better, and that may be true, but I've never seen one right off your bill. He's still there for the money. And with the exception of some few older teachers, I've never met an educator who wasn't there for a paycheck. It's sad, but it's true. I've never met a lawmaker who didn't create laws that benefited them in some way. Their actions are generally selfish. God left his throne to come to earth for the purpose of saving us. It was a completely selfless act. Where man acts selfishly, God has acted selflessly. And if I'm going to put my faith in somebody, it's going to be in somebody who's not in it for themselves. To paraphrase C.S. Lewis in his book, The Problem of Pain, I don't know the exact quote, but he basically said, God created man and acts toward man because man needs to be needed. That God needs us because we need to be needed. Not because God actually needs us. His actions toward us are for our benefit. We are here not for his benefit but for our own. Because we need to be needed. And we need him. And to think about that on a deep level would be thinking that, wow, because of my needs, God has come to earth for me. Because of your needs, God has come to earth for me. Not for anything for him. He has everything. He has created everything. He doesn't need anything from us. And because of that, he gave us a gift of faith. And see, most of us think that, oh, well, our, our faith is ours. We can place it where we want. It's not your faith. It has been created and given to you by whatever you place faith in. You don't have faith in a doctor unless you've seen that doctor do a good job. That doctor has given you the faith to get put back into him. You don't have faith in a politician unless you've seen a politician actually keep a promise. I don't have faith in any politicians because I've not seen one keep a promise. You don't have faith in actors or actresses or public educators or you might even have trouble having faith in family members because you've seen them fail. So you only have faith in those family members when you see them stick to their word, honor who they say they are. And there are very few of those that I can. Shakespeare once said, love all, trust a few. And since faith and trust are almost equivalent, I would say love all, have a faith in few. And the number one on that few list will be God. God is where our faith should rest. You know, Hebrews 11, if you continued reading it, talks about what we consider the hall of fame of faith. From Abel to Abraham to Enoch. He talks about Jacob and Isaac and Moses. And he just goes on and on and on talking about their faith. And we can read all of that and we can learn all of that about their faith and what faith looks like. 
But really, in all honesty, it wasn't their faith that sustained them. It was just them acting on the promise of God. So it was the gift that God had given them. And so when we learn about faith and we study faith, we find that faith isn't something that we generate ourselves. It's something we get by studying the promises of what we're looking to put faith into. See, Christ even told his disciples that they were of little faith and that even just a tiny bit of faith could move mountains. Faith is that powerful. To place it in man-made entities would probably be a mistake because you will get seriously hurt when they let you down. To hope and give some trust that they might do what they say is one thing, but to give them complete trust would be a mistake. One of the adages that we have at work is hope for the best, plan for the worst. I think that's a pretty good idea generally in life. I hope they do what's right. And I'm on plan like they're not going to. Because only one person will do what's right at all times, and that's God. He cannot make a mistake. He does not foul up like we do. He is not stained by sin like we are. Hebrews 11.1 1 also points out that faith comes from what we cannot see. God is always working, and we may not be able to see what his plans are or how they're going to work out in our lives. And that's where faith comes in. It's the evidence of what we cannot see and what we haven't seen. His plan may not be completed in our lives, but we have faith that it will be completed. Romans 12.3 tells us, For by the grace given to me, I tell everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he should think. Instead, think sensibly as God has distributed, distributed, that's a hard word, a measure of faith to each one of you. Paul's telling us that faith is given to us by God, and because of that, we receive grace. Because he knows that he's given us that faith, it's our job to act on that faith to do his will because of that faith. And we will receive grace from him because of it. In Ephesians, he tells the church at Ephesus, for you are saved by grace through faith, and that is not from yourselves, it is God's gift. Again, he's telling the same thing to another church, that faith is a gift from God. And because of our faith, we are saved by the grace of God. And I really like what he tells the church at Philippi in Philippians 1, verses 27 through 29. Just one thing, live your life in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come to see you or am absent, I will hear about you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, working side by side for the faith that comes from the gospel, not being frightened, 
in any way by your opponents. This is a sign of destruction for them, but of your deliverance. And this is from God. For it has been given to you on Christ's behalf, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. See, Paul wrote this letter while in prison. While suffering in prison, he wrote this letter, and he told them, in plain language, you can see for yourself, that whether he's able to come and visit them or not, live your life in a manner that's in accordance with the will of God. It's worthy of the gospel of Christ is the way he worded it. And then he'll know when he hears about you that you're standing firm in one spirit. He's telling the whole body of the believers, the whole church, stand firm in one spirit, stand together as one body of Christ with one mind, working side by side for the faith that comes from the gospel. He, he's telling them that, that the faith that you have will come from the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then he tells them to not be frightened by what's going on in the world around them. Because when they stand firm in their faith, it shows their enemies their destruction, but shows them their deliverance. Faith has the power to bring down all those who oppose Christ. Because in the end, every knee will bow. And every tongue will confess. And those who have not believed in life will suffer eternity in hell. Because of the lack of faith. But those who have believed and have received the faith from God will spend eternity with God. They will be delivered from the bonds of this restrictive life. See, those who don't believe in God, their faith lies in things that will perish including themselves. But those who believe in God have an eternal promise that will be fulfilled after death in this world so that their faith will sustain them in the next so that they can spend eternity with God. Faith is far too precious a thing to leave with man-made entities. Faith should be coming to you full force from God and God alone. If you choose to trust government officials, do so lightly. If you choose to trust physicians, do so lightly. I'm not saying they won't help you. I'm saying they will fail you at some point. God will not. Put your trust in God. Put your absolute trust in God. Faith comes from God and God alone, and that's where our faith needs to lie. So when we do that, though, we will feel pushback from those non-believers, and that's where our suffering will come from. But know that it's only for a time here. Know that it will only last in this life. Paul told in one letter to die as gain. 
we will realize that one day through some circumstance or another. And there's no reason to be afraid of it if you have your faith in God. And that's where we need to be at as a church is putting our faith in God and not trusting wholeheartedly on what man has created. Lord Jesus Christ, please come into this congregation and to all those who are listening to this and touch their hearts so that they will lean into you, Lord, and trust in you and put their faith in you and you alone. Give them hearts and minds that follow your will and your word, Lord, and do your bidding. Allow them to be able to distinguish between between your will and the will of the world, Lord, and allow them to recognize that they don't have to put all their trust in the words of other men, but that they can trust in your word, Lord, and trust in your promises and know that they will be secure with you. We ask that all those who are on the fence about faith or are completely against faith in you, that their hearts be softened and that their ears be open and their eyes be open so that they can see your blessings around them and that they can hear your message and your word and that they can change their hearts and their minds and give their soul over to you so that they can lean into you also, Lord, and enjoy in the comfort of your promises so that they can see the evidence of things not seen, the proof of your faith, Lord. We ask all these things in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen.